Some people get their information from just anybody. Friends, co-workers, horoscopes, gum wrappers. If that's you, dude, what are you doing? Credibility. It's a thing. We're your trusted source for gaming, odds, and more. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. Third hour of the morning after on this huge Sports Tuesday begins right now. You are listening on Sirius XM Channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and watching all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. In this third and final hour of TMA, two great guests will join us. Connor O'Gara joins us in the next segment to look at college football because outside of college basketball beginning tonight, we get the newest iteration of the college football playoff rankings from the selection committee now in the final month of the regular season. And then some SEC talk entering this Saturday slate. Only three more weeks left in the regular season in college football. And then Bill Krakenberger, one of the smartest men in Las Vegas, one of the sharpest betters you will meet, who gives us some picks for college basketball maybe. Also some talk around the underdogs that prevailed in such a big way this week in the NFL. Underdogs, 10-3. and three against the spread a very impressive week for the dogs in the nfl but tonight starts the college basketball season so many great games across the slate you could get lost scrolling in all the matchups we have to open up this year on a tuesday in college basketball a couple of premier marquee games in madison square garden tonight kevin walsh and i just previewed those ones kansas a three and a half point favorite currently against michigan state in the opener of the champions classic and then you have Kentucky and Duke, a battle of the Blue Bloods to end out the evening right now. Kentucky getting two and a half points against the Blue Devils in the first game of the farewell to- tour of Coach Michael Krzyzewski, Coach K for the Duke Blue Devils. Also underway tonight, UCLA in one of the latest games you will see a 22 and a half point favorite tonight against Bakersfield are the UCLA Bruins, a team that made it to the Final Four last year and right now in our west coast wake up as we welcome in our west coast audience we look at the pac-12 conference championship odds for this upcoming year in the college basketball realm a reminder for any conference championship bet you might make this is a regular season award in fact it's the pac-12 regular season winner is how it's billed on the FanDuel sportsbook and right now the bruins rightfully so a favorite at plus 115 Oregon behind them at plus 300 Arizona plus 600 USC plus 750 and then we get into the quadruple digits with Colorado at 16 to 1 and then a very far drop off to Wazoo Washington State at 32 to 1 UCLA may seem short but UCLA is the second ranked team in the country entering this year the seventh ranked team in Kenneth Pomeroy's poll and his rankings and efficiency metrics to begin this season as well UCLA though Tied for the seventh shortest odds to win the national championship right now and to cut down the nets in early April at 15 to 1. So UCLA returns so much talent from last year's team that pulled off the improbable run to the Final Four as an 11 seed that was in a first four game against Michigan State. But UCLA making it to the Final Four behind the very strong offensive weapons of Johnny Juzang. Jaime Jaquez, now they add in some talented pieces as well. A couple of great five-star recruits in this freshman class for Mick Cronin and Westwood. And then also a guy to keep an eye on that I know a fair bit about, Miles Johnson, the transfer from Rutgers. A huge body down low, great at rebounding and being your classic rim protector, something UCLA 
really needed last year throughout that stretch run in March Madness that they get this year for a new season in Westwood in college basketball in the Pac-12. Oregon under Dana Altman, they have been a team that has continued to have success at the highest levels, a team that made the Sweet 16 a season ago as well. They are at 3-1. to one. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the third and final hour of the morning after on this huge Tuesday in sports is just getting underway. You are listening on Sirius XM, Channel 159, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. This is our West Coast Wake Up, and thus we preview the Pac-12 regular season winning odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Again, a regular season award but as we dive into some of the other awards surrounding ucla let's look at the warden award right now kevin walsh who was with us for the first two hours of this program on a tuesday detailed this market a little bit not sure why drew timmy for gonzaga was such a short favorite to win the player of the year award which is the warden award he was plus 450 in the warden award market on the FanDuel Sportsbook as the heavy favorite right now in this category. Trevion Williams, 10 to 1 out of Purdue, but then you will see Johnny Juzang there, 10 to 1, the very talented guard who can score all over the place for the UCLA Bruins. And Paolo Banchero and Colin Gillespie, not far behind. And then a bunch of big men, a slew of big men in college basketball this year in the Warden Award as well. So if Johnny Juzang is 10 to 1, to win the Warden Award, and you have UCLA at 15 to 1 to win the national championship, there should be some value and some high prospects for the UCLA Bruins entering this season. And again, they certainly have a case to be. And when you look at the Final Four market right now, UCLA plus 290 to make the Final Four of the NCAA tournament. So, as I always recommend, it is very difficult to handicap these markets right now to pick a national champion because it's not just finding out who the best team with a regular season resume is like in college football. It's making sure they can get through the madness that is March as a part of the NCAA tournament. And then on top of that, beating really good teams in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and in the national championship game. It's also why the Final Four market is very difficult to handicap. And Kevin brought up a great point earlier in the show that the national championship market honestly provides a much better value spot than does the Final Four market with shorter odds to be one of the Final Four teams standing in all of college basketball. So our preview of college basketball will continue on, but we flip it to college football on the other side of the break. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South joins us to give you how he sees the college football playoff rankings. That's coming up next here on The Grid. Sports professor Rick Carl inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports with your daily numbers game. Big week for Novak Djokovic, wins his 37th Masters title. Big accomplishments off the court as well. First, he stays one ahead of his big-time rivals. We know that's going to go on for a number of years. Second, he settles the score potentially, even though he doesn't say it. Medvedev, who beat him in straight sets at the U.S. Open, stopping his Golden Slam opportunity. Third, his kids get to watch his win and his family together. He says is really important. And fourth, he ends up number one in the world. All of his endorsements, all of his marketability is there. Notwithstanding a couple of issues, he is clearly the number one tennis superstar endorser on and off the court. Sports professor Rick Haro, Sports News Minute, Daily Numbers Game.
luck is never just luck. If you think winning is only a matter of chance, think again. We bring you sports gaming strategies and information that changes outcomes. Keep it here. And get the winning edge. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. So, from college basketball, we flip our attention back to college football, and we welcome on to the show once again on a Tuesday, Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South here to talk a little bit about the Southeastern Conference in the college football playoff. Because, Connor, the college basketball season starts tonight, but we will also get the second iteration of the college football playoff rankings so a very busy time in the world of college sports we need your expertise and guidance so thank you for being here again on a tuesday i don't get why every time they do this they have to put my guy reese davis up in the rafters or something i i'm afraid of heights if i had to do the college football playoff rankings from that high forget you know receiving all the hate that people are going to give you even though you don't come up with the rankings I'd just be worried about falling from that high. I don't, I don't know why they can't just put them a little bit lower. Get those, get those guys courtside. I mean, come on. It's the Mecca. That's what it's for. It's not far behind us here in Midtown Manhattan. Reese, if you need a studio to be affiliated out of tonight, we can offer up these services here <laughs> just a couple of blocks away from Madison Square Garden. I also love it, Connor, because then they get the takes of like Seth Greenberg and Jay Billis on the college football playoff rankings and the weird crossover event they do in the middle of the Champions Classic. It should be a good time tonight. Again, everybody deep breaths. It is only the second college football playoff poll of the year. Still ton of ways to go. So, Connor, last week on this very show, ahead of the first rankings of the college football playoff poll this year, we asked you how you thought the committee would rank them. Not your personal top six, but how the CFP selection committee would release their initial poll of the year. This week, we flip it up. We are going to ask you how you would rank the top six, and how Connor O'Gara sees the top six teams in the landscape right now in the college football playoffs. So again, Connor O'Gara, the floor is yours. Your top six for the college football playoff are what? Swing and a miss last week, by the way. Uh, pretty rough look yeah, I mean, for, for your boy to have that come out. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest here. This was not my best showing. I've had a couple of good calls in the college football season and some some bad calls throughout the year, but uh, we, you know, we bounce back. That's what we're here to do. I personally would have obviously Georgia at number one. I actually think Georgia could lose to Tennessee and I'd still put Georgia at number one. That's how heads and shoulders above the rest of college football they are. I'd have Cincinnati there at number two. I would have Oregon at number three. And then I would put Alabama at four. At five, I would have Oklahoma. And then six, reluctantly, I would put Ohio State. Now, Big Ten Ben is not going to like the fact that I don't have a Big Ten team in the top five because I don't necessarily believe in rewarding the Big Ten, despite the fact that for whatever reason, the selection committee thinks that the Big Ten East has all played each other already, even though they really haven't. And we're going to get some true defining moments, I think, in the, the final few weeks of the regular season. But that is the way that I would have it, because I do think to a certain extent, and I push back on Oklahoma being ranked that high. But I, I think to a certain extent, you have to reward the 9-0 and team, especially after the weekend that we just had and everybody that's going to push back on Cincinnati. Well, do you want me to do, Ben, do you want me to do my Cincinnati rant now or do you want me to, to wait till the, till the second half of this to do that? 
No, Connor, I was literally going to ask you why you thought Cincinnati should be number two at this moment. So, yeah, go ahead. All right. So here's the thing. Everybody on Twitter decides on Saturday night, oh, my gosh, this is why you can't have Cincinnati at the top four. They're, they're showing exactly why they aren't worthy of being a playoff team. Okay, cool. So eliminate Ohio State and eliminate Oklahoma State. Because you know what Ohio State was doing against Tulsa with three and a half minutes left in that game? Playing in a one-score game. You know what Oklahoma State did in the final minutes against Tulsa? Playing in a one-score game. They won that game by five. Everybody that's sitting there piling on Cincinnati, and don't get me wrong, they did not play a good football game. There were a lot of moments in which they could have easily lost that and a better team would have beat them. But if we're going to hold them to the same standard that we're holding Ohio State and Oklahoma State, who is now going to be involved, and my guess is they're going to be in the top 10 tonight, then let's at least look at that fairly. I go back and I look at who have you beat? Who have you beat? Cincinnati still is a better win than Ohio State. Ohio State, who um, probably was some bad fumble luck away from losing that game, or some, well, they got the good fumble luck on the road against a three and six Nebraska team. And if Nebraska actually knew how to kick a football, then we could be talking about Ohio State having a second loss. But nobody wants to bring that up. Instead, everybody just wants to pile on Cincinnati. I still look at Cincinnati. I say, you have a better win than Ohio State. And oh, by the way, still undefeated. So I'm not going to sit here and beat them to death for the Tulsa game when Ohio State did the same thing. Yeah, Connor, I mean, I agree with the point overall. I have been a big bandwagoner for Cincinnati to get the respect up until this point of the season. I have also said I don't truly believe the Bearcats control their own destiny, which I don't think is a very fair thing. But I think we saw the glimmer from the college football playoff committee last week that fair or unfair, Cincinnati needs style points. How do we relate that in the world of betting? Cincinnati needs to cover spreads. And they have not covered in three straight games as a 20 or more point favorite. And it's unfortunate, but I think this committee is going to slide Cincinnati down tonight because of it. And that's why, although I agree that Cincinnati, in my mind, should be a top four team, at least based on what we have seen to this point, the betting markets have really worked against Cincinnati from 50 to one to win the national championship just last week, which also worked against them from the week prior to now 100 to one on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So, Connor, as we have your rankings right now, your top six as they should be in your mind, where do you think the college football playoff committee will differ from you tonight? I think they're going to differ with Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is going to – they can be anywhere from five to eight. I had them yeah. slotted at number six, and I think Michigan State stays at, like, number five. Ohio State moves into the top four by virtue of that Michigan State loss. Alabama's probably going to stand pat at two and then Oregon at three, which, you know, that that's definitely different than what I had. But here's the thing. They told us what they thought of Oklahoma's resume. Oklahoma didn't play football yeah. this past week. That actually probably helped Oklahoma in a way because all the non-Georgia top six teams looked bad. I mean, they just did not look good. Alabama, we haven't even got to them yet, and they barely held on in a game in which they were a four-touchdown favorite. So talk about not covering spreads. Alabama has been in one-score games in four of the six SEC games in the fourth quarter. I mean, Alabama doesn't have style points. Ohio State doesn't have style points. They barely were able to survive against Nebraska. They beat Penn State at home by nine. Cool, Illinois did that as well. I, I'm just not impressed overall with the top, and that's why there's going to be so many different debates. And also – because all of those teams that are in the hunt, they only have one win against the current AP Top 25, except Oklahoma, who's still working on that.
Yeah, no, I agree with you, Connor. And that's why it's the idea of fair or unfair that Cincinnati is held to a different standard than the teams that are generally the powers in college football. Because let's not forget, although Cincinnati has not covered in three straight against teams that are not great, maybe outside of Tulsa, they are still perfect. One of the four remaining unbeaten teams in all of college football. So, Connor, quickly here about the SEC championship odds we flashed on the screen right there. Alabama has had the market work against them the last few weeks. They are now plus 170 with the second shortest odds still, but plus 170 to win the SEC championship. And they had the odds in the national championship market work against them by a full dollar from plus 350 to plus 450. Where they are right now in comparison to Georgia tells you what about what Alabama needs to do the rest of the way and into that SEC title game. It's becoming more and more clear that Georgia is heads and shoulders above everybody, uh, not just in the SEC, but in all college football. And that's why those odds are where they're at right now. And now Auburn, by virtue of losing that game on the road to Texas A&M, is in need of a couple things happening, which would be Alabama losing to Arkansas, and then Auburn would have to turn around and beat Alabama. They beat Alabama at Jordan-Hare Stadium each of the last two times, beating them a third consecutive time in their home stadium going to be a little bit difficult. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like those odds. Like, I, I'd maybe throw a flyer on AM, although AM has to go on the road yeah. this week and play Ole Miss. And so now you're looking at a situation where – AM still has to win out. Alabama has to lose in the Iron Bowl. You need two of those things to happen. That's why those odds are where they're at right now. AM at 80 to 1, though, as they control at least what they can do, having already beat Alabama. If Bama does lose again, 80 to 1, rather interesting to see them there with such long odds to win the SEC championship. Connor stays with us on the other side of the break to look at the upcoming Saturday slate for the SEC. That's next here on the Morning App. Sports Rage Late Night. The Buffalo News says this is the worst regular season Bills loss in history. Josh Allen should worry less about going on a Manning cast and worry less about dressing up like Phil Mickelson. And speaking of which, if I'm a National Football League coach, I'm not letting my players go on a Manning show anymore. It's 0 for 6 right now. The curse is real. It's Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Morenci on Sports Grid. Weekdays, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. On the home of the winning edge. The Sports Grid Radio Network. listen to sports grid you can always go find a clover patch get down on all fours and find one with four leaves or you can get the winning edge right here and you won't get any ticks this is sports grid radio on sirius xm Right back here on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. And right back here alongside Connor O'Gara, I'm Ben Stevens. Connor is a national football columnist for Saturday Down South, covering the SEC Conference with the best of them out there. And Connor joins us for the second straight segment to look at the SEC Saturday slate upcoming. When Connor joined the show, he said very quickly that Georgia might have an opportunity to be upset this week on the road against Tennessee. Connor, right now the FanDuel Sportsbook has the Bulldogs favored by 20 and a half as they head to Rocky Top. 
Rocky Top to take on Tennessee this upcoming weekend. So you believe there is an opportunity for Tennessee maybe to pull an upset or at least cover as nearly a three-touchdown underdog? I'd be a lot more intrigued to say that they're going to cover a three-touchdown spread than being able to win that football game outright. Because here's the thing. What we haven't seen a team do consistently against Georgia is stretch the field on the outside. Now, why haven't teams been able to do that? Well, when you have Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, and you can get home sending three or four, your quarterback doesn't exactly have a lot of time to sit back there and let routes develop. I mean, ideally, you'd like to be able to do that. So teams that have been able to do that, South Carolina was able to do that a little bit, and it yielded one touchdown. That's it. That's what we're talking about here. Tennessee has the tools to do that. Hendon Hooker is a stud. He is one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in all of college football right now. The Virginia Tech transfer, who has just been a revelation in Josh Heupel's offense. He can actually execute the deep ball passing game, unlike a certain Joe Milton, who was QB1 at the start of the mm. season. So can Georgia's corners actually be tested? They can put up points. I go back to that game a few years ago where Georgia had what appeared to be this all-world defense. And Mizzou on the road in Athens, 2017, Drew Locke, all of a sudden he's throwing the ball all over the place. You're like, how is this happening? And why do I bring that up? Josh Heupel, offensive coordinator. Josh Heupel is going to try and stretch the field against this Georgia defense that has just not necessarily had the opportunities to be tested that way. They, we, we saw them hang around against Alabama. We saw them make some plays downfield. Can they do the same against Georgia? It's at least intriguing. So, Connor, as I have always said throughout this year, Georgia opponent team total under. It would have hit against Missouri, although it was probably like 9.5-10. It didn't matter. The Tigers only scored six points on two field goals. If you estimate it based on this spread right now for Saturday in Knoxville, Tennessee's would probably be somewhere around 16.5-17 against Georgia. Do you think they would need to go over to have an opportunity of covering this 20.5-point spread? Yeah, I think they'd probably have to go over in, in order to cover. And that's not easy against the Georgia team who has yet to allow 14 points in a single game this year. So we've seen teams like Kentucky and Mizzou both call last-second timeouts in an effort just to try and get a touchdown against Georgia on the board. I mean, Kentucky had a touchdown earlier in that game, but Mizzou was going for its first one. So you never rule that out, and there's a possibility that they could get up big early, and you can never rule that out with Georgia, that they get up like 35-7, to 7, and then all of a sudden they pull the first stringers, and maybe it's a couple of garbage-time touchdowns, and they get to 21. I, I would still probably say that Tennessee can't quite get there. Maybe this is more like a 28-14 to 14 type of football game, not necessarily a shootout. Tennessee probably needs for this to be a shootout, a back and forth. That's their style. They want to play up-tempo. They don't want these long possessions. They don't need the ball for a whole long, for a long time, you know, the way that some of these other teams do and some of the ways that, that Georgia has actually been kind of on its heels. But I, I think that Tennessee probably won't be able to get to 17 and a half. So Georgia will be the number one team in the second college football playoff poll that comes out this evening, and rightfully so. They have been the unanimous AP number one team for what feels like the past month. Georgia right now, an odds-on favorite to win the national championship at minus 125. They are the odds-on favorites in a pretty strong way to win the SEC championship at minus 220. Connor, we were looking at those SEC championship odds before the break, and Alabama is the second shortest at plus 170. Whether it's Alabama or some team in the college football playoff, how does anybody even start to go about beating this Georgia team? By hopefully seeing some sort of blueprint that Tennessee exposes, because 
if Tennessee doesn't do it, we're going to be talking about Georgia playing in the SEC championship without really any sort of clue about how to score against this team. We think we might have an idea, but we still haven't actually seen that play out. We still haven't seen what it looks like when Georgia's defense has allowed 21 points and they're playing in a tight game in the fourth quarter or anything like that because Georgia Tech's not going to do that in a couple of weeks. Tennessee better do it, and or else we're going to be looking at the situation like, wow, we, we still don't have any idea of the identity of a team that can beat Georgia. Maybe it's Ohio State with these receivers that they have on the outside, and maybe Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, if he can get back healthy, if it, maybe those guys can kind of break through or something like that. But, man, I, I'm I'm just kind of running out of answers. I, we, we continue to try and pick these teams apart and ask these questions, and Georgia looks like it just keeps getting better, and their offense is going to keep getting better too. So I know that's kind of a bad answer for you, but as of right now, man, I'd have a tough time taking a flyer on any of these teams to beat a national to, to beat Georgia in a national championship. I completely agree, Connor. That's why the last couple of weeks we have gone through the marketplace where you can find value on Georgia. Plus 235 to be an unbeaten national champion two weeks ago, plus 180 last week. There is still value on the Georgia Bulldogs because Connor is one of the best at breaking down the SEC. And there's not anything that shows right now there's a proven track record of even how to start to compete with Georgia, let alone pull off an upset and win a game. It is truly fascinating stuff and shows how dominant the dogs have been all season long. So your answer that you don't think was that great, I think is that great and speaks about how great Georgia is this year. But Connor, as we move forward throughout some of the other games in the SEC Saturday slate, a great one under the lights in Oxford at the Grove. Ole Miss Hosting AM, AM, one of the hottest teams in all of college football right now, a two and a half point favorite against the Rebs and Lane Kiffin. The over under total for Ole Miss, this has to be a misprint. 55 and a half? 55 and a half for a game involving Mississippi? Connor, what's good with that? Okay, so here's why. Well, one, it'd be different if we knew that Katy Perry was going to be there waving corn dogs around. <laughs> if that's the case, then Ole Miss by 90. We don't know that. Fireworks. And, yeah, if that were the case, yes, um, great Katy Perry reference that you just made right there. I don't Thank know you. if you knew that you did that, but that was spot on by you, I Big did. Ten Ben. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I yeah. think that they're, they're looking at this Texas A&M defense. It's the number two scoring defense in the country. It is so underappreciated what the Aggies are doing. Look what they just did to Bo Nix this past weekend. They had their best defensive showing against an AP top 15 team since 1957. Certain Dwight D. Eisenhower was in office the last time AM looked that good defensively against a team that mattered. That's why the Aggies have a defense that's just loaded with guys who are going to be playing the NFL really, really soon. And Matt Corral is hobbled. He's banged up. That ankle isn't right yet. We saw it against, against Liberty this past weekend. When he gets a clean pocket, yeah, he's great, but they're a little bit depleted at the receiver position. And they're still trying to figure out what this offense looks like without Matt Corral at his full capabilities. And I, I think that that's probably why that over-under isn't necessarily like in the 70s or something like that. The Aggies are legit, and they're going to give him a lot of problems if he's not at 100%. Yeah, I think it's fascinating, but Ole Miss right now has played four straight unders. The travesty to think that that has been the case for the running Rebs this year with all that they have been able to do offensively in years past and even earlier in this season. But that should be a great game on Saturday. Again, the Aggies, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite against Ole Miss on Saturday, the over-under total, 55-and-a-half. Another fascinating game, Connor, features Mississippi State 
and Auburn this weekend. Auburn only scoring three against AM last week. Now a five and a half point favorite at Jordan Hare against the Bulldogs on Saturday. Can Auburn bounce back and still have a shot as they get ready for the Iron Bowl in a couple of Saturdays from now? I still like Auburn. I do. And okay. I know it was, it was a rough day for them in College Station. I, I just think that was the byproduct of running into an elite defense. I, I really do. I, I think this, this Auburn defense has so many pieces that you just love. They, they have guys at every single level that get after ball carriers. And Smoke Monday is playing at an All-America level this year. And I know it was a big setback for Bo Nix on the offensive side of the ball. But I still think they're going to be able to run the football against a really good Mississippi State run defense. And I think, I think they'll be able to make some plays downfield. They're going to try and stretch the field a little bit, get Demetrius Robertson involved again. And I think Bo Nix has a bounce-back game in this one. So I, I think that Auburn is, is able to cover it. Mississippi State can't kick the football right now. Mike Leach is having open tryouts right now, trying to figure out what in the world he's got to do to pull him through the uprights. Man, they went 0 for 3. They should have won that game against Arkansas. Instead, Will Rogers is sitting there like, man, I just played like one of the best games of my life, and I wasn't able to come out with a win because we can't make a kick. So I, I would take Auburn to, to cover in a very close game. I, I would probably say that they cover and win that game by, by about a touchdown. So that's some of the on-the-field games that we have this weekend. Off the field in the SEC, a lot of turmoil right now, Connor, in Gainesville for the Florida Gators. What have you made of that situation circulating around Dan Mullen and some of the changes to his coaching staff we have seen this week? The beginning of the end. That's what it feels like. To come out that way against South Carolina, you could have made a case that South Carolina was the worst team in the SEC going into that matchup. And I know they beat Vandy, but it took their grad assistant, not their grad transfer, their grad assistant coming in for a last minute touchdown drive at home just to beat Vandy. So, I mean, it, it's bad. It's really bad. And to, to fire Todd Grantham and to fire John Hevesy, the offensive line coach who's been with Dan Mullen for 20 years, it's really ugly. I'm all of a sudden looking at Florida candidates, people who could take that job. It just doesn't seem like Dan Mullen's heart is in it. He's making mistakes left and right on the field, off the field. It, it feels like the beginning of the end. $12 million as a buyout is not that much in this day and age. We saw South Carolina, ironically enough, pay more than that to make Will Muschamp go away. Florida could certainly afford it for Dan Mullen in this season that has just turned into a complete and total disaster. Nebraska, meanwhile, retaining Scott Frost, a coach who is 15 and 27 overall in four seasons so far for the Huskers. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South, as always, thank you so much for your time. More of the morning after coming up next. What's up, everybody? It's your late-night anger management professor inviting you to join me six nights a week at midnight Eastern on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Vent your rage with the top handicappers and insiders in the business. Tips are for waiters. Hedging is for garters. Pre-game breakdowns and post-game meltdowns. Lay it down and win with me, Gabriel Morenzi, six nights a week at midnight Eastern right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Other than that, you're on your own. Listen to Sports Grid. You can always go to a horse stable, find one with shoes, pry one off, and hang it over your door. 
or you can get the winning edge right here. And you won't take a hoof to the head. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. A huge Sports Tuesday on the morning after continues right here on the grid. Sirius XM Channel 159 and all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. We are moments away from being joined by Bill Krakenberger, one of the sharpest men you will meet out in Las Vegas. Although today, he's on the East Coast, ready to wreak some havoc on the East Coast books as the college basketball season starts tonight. Crack loves to bet on some college hoops. We will get his insight on how to approach that as the early season gets underway across the college basketball landscape. Also, as we mentioned earlier on the show, as we detailed yesterday on Monday, following the Sunday slate in the NFL week number nine, it was a huge week overall for underdogs. Between Sunday and Monday, underdogs went 10-3 and against the spread. 10 and 3 against the spread in seven of those 10 dogs winning outright. As we now welcome on Bill Krakenberger from the Crack Wins app, where you can get more of his knowledge and insight to become a better sports better. And that's what we do here, at Crack. We give people the winning edge. And thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday morning. Ben, how are you, man? Um, I've been up early. I got up really early today. You know, first day of college basketball. Even though I went to bed like 1.30, I was up at 6. Uh, you know, this is what I do. I, I, I bet this is the season I wait for, college basketball. And, uh, you know, to be real blunt, uh, I knew today was going to be a little bit disappointing. I knew uh, I was going to be running around. So I was at the FanDuel. I was at, on the FanDuel app. I was at the FanDuel place here in Atlantic City. And DraftKings, I was at the, none of these places open. You'd be shocked to know this, Ben. College basketball starts today, everybody. The, yeah. the, 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 none of the books open till 11 o'clock. I mean, this is not, I'm not picking on any one book. This is across the board. I, I, I actually, my plan was to take this tripod. I had it in my car. I took it to the boardwalk. It was going to be a nice view of valleys where the FanDuel was. I was trying to help you guys out a little bit. They, they weren't open though. So uh, they, they, they don't take, but now they could take them at the, um, at the kiosk. So, I, I mean, I did get to make some kiosk bets. And they take a thousand a bet. It's, it's nice of them. This is a sports books take a dime, a dime a bet. But you know, um, it, 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 I brought money here. I'm ready. I was. I was gonna. I'm here to gamble. <laughs> I'm here to put yeah. my money up. Have you guys hold my money? And and and, and I want to lay eleven to ten too. I just need you guys open. And uh, I went to three different sports books, and I was just like, you know what it is? I just don't think they realize that that. Uh, there's 75 games on the schedule. I know the earliest one's 3 p.m. East Coast time, but it's the first day. The kinks will work out. The old Bill Krakenberger will be going nuts on here, getting thrown off the show probably. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm fair. I try to put myself on both sides of the counter, and I, I kind of understand. And, and um, everything I bet today moved a point or more. Um, so at first they were giving me some big limits. I was getting down like 3000 a game. More, more, more. But cumulatively, I was getting more down. And um, and then <laughs> the last bet I made, one of the sites said 400 bucks. So that bothers me, too. You know, Ben, um, I don't think – I'm sorry to say this. Uh, nothing against mm-hmm. the network. Great network. Love you guys. Just like I say on other networks mm-hmm. I do. I don't think no one can come on this network and talk like this. When I bet, I get limited right away because I win. 
It's that simple. So uh, I understand it, but I come on here and say that at least some of them do. T- the FanDuel does take a bet. DraftKings takes bets off me. These places do take bets. There's other places that won't take bets simply because of my knowledge of betting games. Anyone that knows what the Crack Wins app, you guys know I lay 24 in a game. When the game tips off, look what the line is then. And no one could say that. I mean, not hardly anybody. And usually I'm very, very humble. You know who I am. I'm a very humble guy. I drive a Kia, by the way. I could drive a go out and buy Rolls Royce cash tomorrow. I drive a Kia because that's what I choose to drive. But um, I am a humble guy. I could be a little more, um, a little more out there today during college basketball because I know what I've done year after year. I've hidden 60%, that which is impossible to do. Um, I, I was yeah. going to challenge Vegas Dave on season two of action. I was putting a million bucks up. If he could, you know, beat me in a college basketball year, I'll have someone in Vegas like Jimmy Vaccaro hold the money at the end of the season. Well, you know, we bet a hundred games. Whoever wins more uh, games gets the money. But of course, um, he ran under his bed. Speaking of under the bed, a lot of credit players are under the bed this week. This was a bad weekend for for sport for for guys that bet sports, bet the NFL, bet the NFL. And you know, earlier right here in this space on this show. I said in the season, I said a lot of those primetime overs, which started at 6-0, and which uh, going into last night's game was thir- went reverted to the mean 13-12, and which means obviously the unders are reverting a little bit. Last night's game, boy, I'll tell you, there was a 39-and-a-half out there for a while, and, and it, it, yeah. it did go over the total. That was a, probably the lowest primetime total maybe in two years. I thought that was really low. So um, – uh, no surprise that that went over here, but that's going to happen on, on the primetime games. And I don't mean to be all over the place, Ben. I'm just saying, listen, I know if I bet a game – here, I just look at these games here. I bet Purdue minus 21.5. I can guarantee it's not 21.5 anymore. I bet Rice minus 6.5. Probably not going to be 6.5 no more nowhere. So I understand I do get the best of the numbers, and the sports books don't like that all the time. But, you know – the billion-dollar corporations take a dime bet off me, move off me, over move off me, guys, over move. Actually, when, when you see me bet minus six and a half, it sounds crazy. Maybe you can go to eight. You're only going to get one-way action if you think I'm a winning sports better. So a little frustrated today. First day, I kind of expected that a little bit, and uh, I know I'm over talking here, Ben. I'm like Rocky. I'm going and moving and bobbing and weaving. But uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, crack. I just. Looked up both of the games that you mentioned. You got Rice at six and a half, and you got Purdue at 21 and a half. On the FanDuel Sportsbook right now, Rice is minus seven and a half. Purdue is minus 22 and a half. So, as Crack just mentioned, he got the best of those numbers, and maybe it was Bill Krakenberger himself that moved the market a little bit because he got Rice as a six and a half point favorite tonight at home against Pepperdine, and then he got Purdue as a 21 and a half point favorite against Bellarmine, and now Purdue is a 22 and a half point favorite. So that might be what is at stake right now, and if you see some lines move throughout the college basketball day, maybe it's because of the money that Bill Krakenberger is laying down. Do we have Crack? Crack, are you back? on the show right now so I can oh, ask you that? some more insight about college basketball. I, I believe we do. Crack. I didn't know I yeah, didn't know I was go gone. Was I gone? I didn't even know I was gone. Okay. I think All we right. had you with some technical difficulties refresh real quick, but I was oh. mentioning Crack how you mentioned those games. Rice, six I and a half, I never at least on you. FanDuel right yep. now. Yep. And moved to yep. seven and a half. 
Purdue, 21 and a half, moved to 22 right. and a half in favor of the Boilermakers. I also saw for one of the marquee right. games we have tonight at the Garden, not far away from where we are, Michigan State was a four and a half point underdog against Kansas earlier this morning. And then before my very eyes, about 45 minutes ago, the Spartans now just a three and a half point favorite. Did you have a play there for the Spartans and the Jayhawks? No, and I really don't bet a lot of those big name teams, even though even though here I know on this. Listen, I, I bet 30 games, 25 games this morning. Uh, Bellarmine, Purdue. Well, Purdue's a bigger game. Rice is actually a bigger team, too. But a lot of these games that I actually played are like the uh, smaller, even smaller schools. Uh, I, I could just name a couple of them. Uh, Cal State, Fullerton, which is not really small, but these are some of St. Joseph's. I mean, no one's betting St. Joseph's. I, I laid minus 23 and a half on that 24. Um, I, I'm, I'm betting totals like Bucknell. I mean, uh, Texas, that was one of those added games. I'm betting them. St. Thomas. I don't even know where St. Thomas is, by the way. You could It's an island Minnesota. as far as I know. But I know this is, not, <laughs> this is obviously not the island. I don't even know what state it's in. But I know I got four grand on the game. So, um, but that's, that's what I do, though, really. I don't, I don't have to know. I don't have to know the players. I, don't have to, I have guys behind me that absolutely know so much more about these teams, especially the smaller teams, than the originating bookmakers out there. It's the reason why... They don't want my action. It's the reason why they throw me out or limit me to a, to a smaller amount. So um, I, I get it, but I don't get it, too, because I think they still should take a small bet off me or something instead of throwing me out. Um, as, you know, these are billion-dollar corporations that uh, you know, they really shouldn't be throwing me out. So um, anyway, uh, these are the moves that you're going to see. Uh, here, I'll give you guys something that no one's going to give you, too. All right, so make sure you check the overnight lines. Make sure you guys check the overnight line sometimes because the overnight lines, there could be some line manipulation on them. So when there's line manipulation, look the next day to see if these games are moving on a steam rate. It's very good to, to check them out to see. But in other words, if, if overnight you see something plus two, the next day you see a pick them and then you see the pick them bounce back to minus two. You know a trend to look for. You'll know that trend to look mm. for. But the reason why it's bet overnight, you get a small limit overnight, but the next day you can bet large limits. So that's why it's really good to notice that. It's really good to see that. Um, it's just good to – it's a trend that you could check. And, and, uh, and uh, anyway, so that's really uh, where we're at, guys. No, crack. I think that's wonderful insight on how to find those edges in college basketball. You mentioned your team at the Crack Wins app has more information on some of these smaller college basketball games. By the way, St. Thomas is in Minnesota, a former D3 school that there is now go. D1 for go. the first time. The more info that we all have out there. So, Crack, what are some of the metrics or the numbers they use to find those edges, even for the smaller games across the college basketball landscape? Well, a lot of those teams aren't covered. Look at that St. Thomas. You said, you said it's in Minnesota. Is that what you said? Okay, so yeah. that's in Minnesota. Okay, so a lot of those teams aren't covered by ESPN or your major network news station. So my guys, actually, what they do is this is a back-tested model that's a proven model that actually can get in-depth more than probably the originating bookmaker that, that, that puts up the line, and everyone copies that line, by the way. Um, and you can know what I feel. I told you guys earlier about FanDuel. FanDuel, is, they're ahead of the curve, too. Even this morning, I noticed something, Ben. Um, I laid six and a half on a game uh, at a couple other books, and I, I go to FanDuel at six and a half minus 14. So they had it. They were skewing it towards the favorite. 
that wasn't the only bet though, because I only made like nine or eight or nine bets at FanDuel this morning, and I bet like fifteen or sixteen at at one of the, their their biggest competitor. So that shows me again, you guys, uh, it's FanDuel. Anyway, uh, they're always they seem to be always ahead of the market a little bit. They respect the number of the offshore world a little bit more than the slower moving sports books. So it's a, it's a very interesting um, thing I noticed with them. But going back to what you said, yeah. Uh, my guys, I feel the sharpest in the business that, that, that are doing the research. And I used to do that research back in the nineties and the two early two thousands. Trust me, I did all that. My own, I did my own model. I did my own power rankings and power ratings. Thank God. I don't have to do that anymore. I just do the betting and, uh, you know, just, uh, pay my taxes on gambling win too. That's important. You know, pay a quarterly estimated tax, pay a tax at the end of the year, as long as I win, uh, which thank God for the last 20 plus years I have. Um, but anyway, there you go, Ben. There you have it. I'm sure you're all excited hey. about uh, about basketball, too, today. A little bit, right? Are you a college basketball oh, guy? Huge college basketball guy, Craig. A very, very big college oh, basketball cool. guy. And we thank you for, provi- for providing that insight on the season opening day because that was some great information. Bill Krakenberger, one of the sharpest betters you will find out there, especially in the edges in college basketball. Follow all of his insight and knowledge on the Crack Wins app as well. Crack, as always, I hope you have a very profitable college basketball season ahead. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Coming up on the other side of the break, my college basketball. Bye-bye-bye, best bet. Stay with us here on The Grid. The Sports Grid Radio Network presents this date in sports history. We are looking at a sports legend in the purple trunks. 1996, Evander Holyfield upsets Mike Tyson. Holyfield continues to dig in. A left hook to the head. He's got Tyson in trouble. Tyson's ready to go. Straight right hand. The top is off the fight. And Holyfield has I can't believe what I'm saying. It's the most unbelievable thing I've ever been privileged to witness. For Sports Grid Radio, I'm Mike Demurgis. It's more than just odds. It's more than just matchups and lineups. It's everything. All of it blending together to give you the complete picture. And you'll only get it right here. On the home of the winning edge. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. Our three hours on this monumental Sports Tuesday are about to come to a close. Why is it monumental? A new rendition of the college football playoff rankings for this college football season out tonight. NBA action, NHL action. We are at the midway point of the National Football League season. And yeah, if you didn't get it right there from Bill Krakenberger, we are also starting the college basketball season tonight in a big way. Marquee matchups at the Mecca. That's my focus to start things off for college hoops. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. We love college basketball on this program, and we love to see the season starting with a couple of big-name programs not far away from us in the middle of Manhattan at Madison Square Garden. Michigan State and Kansas 
get things started tonight in the Champions Classic. A marquee game at the Mecca, the world's most famous arena. Right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Kansas a three-and-a-half point favorite over the Michigan State Spartans. The over-under total is one 40 and a half earlier in the show I was talking about this game with my dear friend Kevin Walsh and I was saying based on the fact that Michigan State played 61% of their games to an under last year Kansas more so a 50-50 split that maybe in this first game as they start to feel each other out a little bit the bright lights of the Mecca how would that affect the scoring maybe we lean in under but you will hear me reference Kenneth Pomeroy throughout the entire duration of this college basketball season. Ken Palm is the smartest mind in all of college basketball. And his efficiency rankings not only say how teams factor in the landscape of college basketball, but what is a predictive model for a game. At times, I think sportsbooks get their lines off of Ken Palm. He predicts Kansas to win tonight 75-70. to 70. That would be an over of a one 40 and a half. So that is the bye 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 best bet for Kansas and Michigan State over 140 and a half to start off this college basketball season. The morning after on the grid each and every weekday, 9 a.m. Eastern to noon, right here across the Sports Grid Network. I'm Ben Stevens. Talk to everyone tomorrow. Enjoy a wonderful Sports Tuesday.